Hello, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 80 of the Archaeologist Podcast, a show where we discuss everything and anything that has to do with Ark Survival Evolved. I'm your host, Sean D. Knight, and with me are a number of players that are here to offer their insights and opinions on the latest topics, strategies, and upcoming features or patches. As I call out our participants for tonight, say hello to the listeners and how many hours you have in Ark. Rico! Howdy, y'all. I'm up to, let's see if I can actually read this properly, 4620. <laughs> Leg day? I'm on the other side of the room. Uh, this week I'm at a pathetic 3,616 hours. Yeah, gotta get those hours up. No. And back with us after a bit of a hiatus, Ultradyne. 2,730. I think that's an associate's degree? Yeah, you scrub. I don't know, mine's a retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, this was a huge week for many reasons. The hashtag bad art for bad arc movement went through some twists and turns as Wildcard didn't know how to handle it properly before finally coming to a decision. The TLC preview for the Parasaur was released, and item transfers was opened up to aberration, resulting in raiders and griefers immediately trying to ransack the servers. But before we get to all that, let's hit the YouTube comments. Declan Steele says, That dude needs to stop interrupting. Now, I asked him who he meant because we all interrupted each other, but I didn't get a reply on that, so... <laughs> eh, probably me. I interrupt people constantly because I'm a <laughs> like that. <laughs> and to be fair though i mean we're not all in the same room right so there's some latency on our right voice exactly it's hard it's hard to uh, coordinate all that and then mr sully rock said really like this episode reminds me of my early arc days also and he was talking about last week's episode episode 79 so glad you enjoyed it and uh one more final comment this comes from ultradyne himself and uh, says, listening to the podcast, Insiders, first you have to acknowledge there are two major and one minor type. The major types are upset players. This was a member who is angry about something and wants to spite the tribe. Type two is the intended insider. I joined you to inside you and will bust mm -hmm. my butt to ruin you. The minor inside is the using member. This is the player in the tribe who uses the tribe as a branch out point. It won't destroy the tribe, but it's damaging. Type I one think is, we're three for three on that. Yeah. <laughs> type one is easy to detect, but difficult to fix. You know the player is upset, but you can't judge what the reaction will be. Your only tool is defensive changes to their permissions, and that could easily show you what to expect. A calm reaction over a week with a smidge of bitter would be acceptable. If their reaction is one of not caring, then give them the boot. If they don't stop complaining, then they get the boot as well. Type 2 is detected by what are the rules, promotion guidelines, etc. They are more worried about inter-tribe politics than working. They also attempt to insert themselves into important discussions via unconfirmable reasons. There's also a narcissism in Type 2, boasting such as, Look how great I am. I did this. I did that. I'm worthy to sublead under you. Want some head? That kind of talk. I disagree a bit on the own space comment during last week's podcast. The more I think about it, it's probably right, and I'm just an exception. I partially need my own space as an extension of ownership and the massive scale of just what I like to do. Yeah, I, after I posted that, I don't have much more to say to it. I can't find any other categories of insiders that would make any sense. Mm -hmm. uh, they all kind of fall under those three. Uh, it, it's basically emotional, logical, or... Um, I need to use you. Detrimental. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it covers them pretty yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, you, you just subdivide those into the various, category, in the various categories we discussed. So, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, I'd say that's the three meta categories. Uh, oh, the, yeah. The, the favorite one I heard otherwise was the uh, storyteller. 
the person that tells lies and makes up stories, but that's still under one of the categories. But it, it was a good uh, subcategory. Yeah, I think you nailed it right on the head. And for those of you wondering what we were talking about last week, well, obviously, Insiding was one of the main topics of last week. I highly re- recommend you listen to episode 79 in case you are looking to build yourself a large tribe or any kind of tribe on this game and to protect yourselves against the insider. Now, uh, let's move on to threads and tweets. There's a Kickstarter for an ARC water map floating around. Uh, These guys are asking for $4,387. Surprisingly, nobody has backed this. Uh, I think there's a good reason, because they are not showing anything. They don't want to show the map or their designs. They say they're in the early stages in designing a water-themed map for the video game ARC Survival Evolved. The plan for this map is for it to be very difficult to start out Start out as there is limited resources and no possibility to tame flyers at the beginning. This will make it very difficult for many players as we are trying to force you to play in the deep unknown. With it being a water map, our greatest challenge is making it integrate with Vanilla Arc as we want wish to make it compatible with cluster servers. Therefore, players will not have infinite oxygen stats like some modded water maps have. We do not wish to reveal any photos just yet as we want to keep our layout under wraps until alpha testing so that we do not ruin any surprises. Our map will feature a vast network of cave system and lots of hidden secrets and puzzles designed to test your intellect, not just tame a high-level dinosaur and chomp your way through. Although at times this will be necessary, players will be rewarded for their curiosity in exploring. We want people to spend time having fun, not complaining about the fact that they can't go to certain areas because you always lag out there or you get stuck on a floating spot. This is why we also want to do a descent, I guess, decent alpha test to iron out 99.9% of the creases. We are being realistic with a basic build time for alpha testing, which will be in three to six months. uh, Estimated August to September 2018. And it is expected to be buggy like all alpha testing. All testers will get in-game recognition, whether it be your name somewhere on the map or an Easter egg phrase that you want somewhere that only you and your friends will get. So, yeah, really nothing. So, what is the money going to pay for it? The server hosting of the test server or their salary? or like, It's what do to I get? upgrade their current PC so they can build the map faster and more mm. efficiently. I well, to be really... honest, that's the, I mean, that's you gotta show more, but it's, this is the kind of thing the crowdfunding was designed for. I mean, no, I like the concept, but they're not selling it right. I mean, people no, are they're, they're, they're marketing this like crap. They need to, you gotta, gotta show some pictures. They, they like, gotta it might show be hard to show pictures that aren't just blue water. Yeah. I like that all the comments are questions about whether or not it's legal to make mm. money off of someone else's IP. That's a fun, that's one of the oh. fun things about uh, crowdfunding. Technically oh, speaking, you're paying them to upgrade their, uh, their their computers to make an unofficial mod for a, uh, mm-hmm. for a video game. Well, Ragnarok wasn't that crowdfunded to some degree. There were backers, right? Aren't there was the a Patreon. Like... Uh, the, the I do believe the guy had a Patreon or a PayPal on the website. Uh, yeah, because like if you go on that one, I don't remember cave, which, but he did. I think I'm like ninety percent sure on that. So maybe if you twist it for like you're not paying for the map or the content, you're just pay, uh, Patreon. No, that's actually specifically how Patre- like the Patreon site works is you're literally paying some uh, uh, someone to keep doing whatever it is they happen to be uh, be doing because you enjoy whatever it is they, uh, they're doing. That it happens to be that they're making something for an existing IP legally doesn't really matter. As long as they don't attempt to then sell that thing for money. Mm-hmm. It's a very 
interesting way of going around, go, uh, going at something that from one direction is completely and totally against the law, and the other direction is like, well, no. I, I, I mean, technically, you're paying these people to do to to make some unspecified thing that they may or may not ever succeed at. So, from a game mechanic point of view, I'm not entirely sure how this would work because it would really change farming, right? Oh yeah. I mean, unless these caves are vast and have like trees and metal nodes and like I don't know how much is actually like underwater and how much is just caves underwater, you know? I started talking about a water map a long time ago, so uh I remember we were theorizing that was what operation was gonna be. I don't know, I'd probably just cheat and submerge the entire island underwater. There you go. (laughs) Job done. Hey, that's not a bad idea actually. So you're going the water world then. Yeah, exactly on the volcano island. All right, uh, let's move on. Now, according to Walkar Chris, uh, he he said something interesting. He said on his Twitter account, Hmm, another year goes by, and I still wonder if anyone has found the ARC Steam key I hid on SurviveTheArc.com yet. I think he's trolling. You think so? I mean, I feel like it would have been found within an hour of that comment if it was really there. I don't know. So, uh, actually, you are wrong because somebody responded saying, I used a crawler to download the site, then ran a uh, regex search against all the text files for anything key-like. While that was running, I wasted half an hour looking at images for anything there, found a string that only had A to Z and 1 to 6, so tried base32 ASCII, and that worked. And Wildcard said, you got it, congrats! Yeah, see, that's exactly what I mean. <laughs> as soon as they know it's there, they'll, they'll pick it out. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty cool. I would never cool. have expected that. Now, Taniwa has a public service announcement saying, Wildcard deletes your teams on officials at server restarts. And he writes, I leveled it over 450. Turns out even though no GMs are spawning in high-level dinos, they still delete a dino that is too high of a level in their eyes on official servers. This was a legitly ta- legitimately tamed dino that I leveled to get to that level of 468. So, basically, if you're breeding really well or you tame one of these high-level snails, don't level it too high. The game has no checks or warnings to stop you, just a big shaft in the bum when the server restarts. A.K.A. Wildcard deletes the legit dinos and has a little chuckle back at the office about how much cakes and time you wasted. You know, I, I remember that being in a patch note somewhere. That they intentionally set it that way so you couldn't go over a certain dino level. Mm-hmm. It was breeder glitching. That's what they're trying to fight, right? Yeah. Right. But then they. And once again, they fix it through a method that just penalizes people for doing the thing rather than actually prevent you from doing the thing they don't want you to do. Mm-hmm. So you're able to tame the, the high level snails in the caves, at least on Scorched Earth. Uh, Ultradine and I did that once, I believe. Yep. Or they weren't that high, but yes. Oh, that was fun to do. <laughs> hey, we oh. needed snails. It was the only one. That... Yeah, <laughs> they're the only ones we could get to at the time. Yeah, I, I spent a couple hours last night in the Glotel Cave on Aberration, just taming things that I wanted in there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I remember when we had a member see it. And they're like, "How did you get a snail that high level? That that's crazy." <laughs> I, I'm amazing. Magic. All right. <laughs> Eldar Seer has a TLC suggestion for the Plesiosaurus and writes so I've been thinking about the Plesiosaurus TLC what could be done to give it some new life this is going to sound nutty but hear me out an old debunked idea about these animals was that they could that they would drag themselves onto land to lay eggs well why don't we have our Plesies become amphibious 
They could become the only amphibious amphibious platform mount. This would allow them to reach literally any body of water that the model could conceivably fit through and give a reason to tame one over, say, a Moza, Pariser, or Bronto. For instance, you could build a taming pen on its back and use it literally anywhere, and the fact that it would be closer to the ground would be a bonus in this regard. This could also be useful for hiding the, the thing. Offensively, you could effect effectively use it as a submersible amphibious assault vehicle. Of course, they would probably be slow as molasses on land, but they would still be a much more interesting team than they are now. Okay, I have a better idea. How about you just make it not give you vertigo when you try and drive the thing? <laughs> there, problem solved. TLC pass done. Plussies are fine. Yeah, I hate it. Move going on to something people care plussy. about. It's a nice idea, though. I think it would be interesting to see it. Yeah, yeah probably. Dino. Another thing I'll never tame. <laughs> All right. So, uh, speaking of the TLC, the sixth dino was revealed for TLC number two, and that is the Parasaur. And according to Wildcard, the Parasaur has found its voice in the form of a loud vocalization capable of notifying the player of a surrounding danger and is even able to scare away smaller creatures when doing so. The call can be separated into the same categories as other creatures with a type of turret mode, as well as the call can be done on command by the player, just like a roar. Have issues with annoying pegamastics or ichthyornis stealing your from you constantly while you're just trying to stroll down the beach? Got a raptor pack hot on your heels? Have a parasaur tag along with you, and when one of these pesky creatures gets too close, your parasaur will keep them at bay. While riding your parasaur, the parasaur can send out a kind of echolocation that gives the player notice of where enemy players tamed and wild dangers are around them, even when they are in line of sight. In combination, these abilities make the Parasaur a very strong ally during those early days on the beach and ongoing. They are able to alert survivors when someone is trying to sneak into their base by acting like a living tripwire alarm. On top of these new abilities, the Parasaur will also have increased base carry weight which will allow it to carry even more of your belongings as you explore the island and try to find your way around the Ark, and the ability to attack while running which it previously was not able to do. So, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, it won't be receiving a visual update, though. Honestly, I think these are all great little ideas. They're not They're not game-breaking, as far as I can tell. Um, they make that early game uh, tame useful. I mm-hmm. think we talked about, you know, trying to make the early tames useful again, and I think this goes a long way to do that. Um, I do uh, really like that alarm feature. Yeah, that the echolocation feature is going to be big. Let's have, I, I think that's almost like having your own tech helmet, really. I just hope they update the uh, the associated explorer note. Yeah. <laughs> or Dino Dossier, you know. I'm serious, oh, like... you know, I think we have to check to see if they have with all the others wanna... that have come out. Yeah. I wanna I wanna see the Spino update. I wanna know what that's gonna include. So um speaking of the TLC patch or TLC number two, uh, this is gonna have the Sarco, Spino, Argent, Raptor, Trike, and the Parasaur. And according to Wildcard, it's gonna be coming out sometime next week for PC with a console release plan for mid-April. Wait, what did they do to the Spino? It's going to be able to go uh, bipedal or increase damage, gain a buff when it comes out of the water, well, uh, after coming out of the water, increase swim speed, uh, mm-hmm. visual update that actually, in my opinion, looks a little worse. All right. Oh, yeah. Uh, Walker also says that they will be consolidating their patching process on PC and plan to be leaning heavily on regular Tuesday or Wednesday of needed deployments, unless critical fixes require patches outside of that regular patch day. 
This will become collective weekly bug patching updates rather than separate updates for each bug fix that in the past resulted in multiple patches a week. After TLC number 2 is released, we will also be turning our focus more directly onto bug fixes and quality of life improvements in the weeks ahead. There are some issues that have been brought to the attention of the team by an artistic movement created to highlight the issues that affect players negatively the most. In tandem with development on TLC number 2, these issues have been documented for future analysis. And after TLC number 2 is released, we will begin investigating and addressing these issues as one of our main focuses. So uh, that does bring us over to the Bad Art for Bad Arc movement, which they acknowledged in this community crunch. Now, their initial response to this, uh, what came in the form of one of the Reddit mods, shutting it down, saying, okay, that's it, that's it, no more. They then announced that they had created a subreddit for Bad Arc Art, which wasn't well received, to be honest, and not surprising either. So the outcry that uh, the movement was being quashed by Wildcard didn't sit well with a lot of people. But Dan the Scribe said, Mom mentality is an interesting phenomenon and this sub is full of it. And he wrote, The rules do not specify that flooding is an action restricted per person. The fact that it wasn't stopped day one is amazing and a nice gesture from the mods. And on top of that, they've created a place to continue it, which is more than they needed to do. The protest was about fixing bugs, which they already do. But not this specific one. There are lots of bugs, and not all of them equal in the time it takes to fix. Stop reading the patch notes and forgetting about them instantly. Fix many small bugs greater than waste of time trying to fix big bug. The glider nerf was never permanent. It was always a temporary solution before bringing it back up, and that was transparent from the start. You can't protest for the impossible. Wildcard isn't a AAA-sized team. Make Mistakes made in the past can't just be instantly amended, and ARC as a game is huge. It's just not reasonable to expect things to happen faster than they currently are. That's nice teacher's pet. Shut the hell up. <laughs> I think people you know, felt gypped, so they <laughs> about something on Reddit. What else is there to do on Reddit? You <laughs> about things that <laughs> you off. If you don't mm -hmm. like people about things that <laughs> them off, don't go to Reddit. So last week, I was one of the ones that was kind of critical of it, because I was like, you know, it was really cool for like 24 hours, and I, like after a while, I was like, okay, it's, this is getting kind of silly. It's spam at a certain point, right? Mm -hmm. So when they turned it off, or they, you know, they started banning the posts, then I'm like, ah, okay, fine, we're moving on. And then they brought it back. I actually now really appreciate it. it it's, it's not to the point where it's spamming every single post is that, but there's a few in there that give me a good chuckle. Yeah, it was a really positive a more positive way for the the community to tackle the issues that they have problems with in the game but as you said wildcard did say that bad art is allowed once more and wrote thank you for the feedback it has become clear that hashtag bad art for bad arc sparked meaningful discussion about the game despite the appearance of low quality flooding i'm happy to allow the return of it happy thursday but um things got interesting but in a thread Written by Mr. Dub1216 that said, There are some issues have been brought to the attention of the team by an artistic movement created to highlight the issues that affect players negatively the most. He was quoting the Community Crunch. And then he said, This is a quote from the latest Community Crunch while saying they will be focusing on bug fixes after TLC 2. And he just went, Ha 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 ha. But Wildcard Jen got really active in this thread and, uh, she replied to one user named Osiris, who wrote, 
So basically, as long as there are circle jerks defending Wildcard, they will continue their current platform, but as soon as the community loudly boycotts them, they change their focal point. Sounds like the movement needs to kick it up a gear before the release of the next DLC. Only logical thing to do next is to contact game news websites and try to get them to run a story on the bad state of the game and the community outcry against the release of a third DLC without fixing the original releases. Additionally, I'd like to call BS on Jen's post below mine. Oh, he added that in, I guess. Uh, she required, or she re replied saying, I don't consider bad art to be a wholly negative experience. Frankly, this has been the most specific people have been about particular bugs ever. I don't know what she's been reading the past few years. I'd like to quote another Reddit user, Sondemon, and quotes, uh, Some of the bad art actually showed issues such as bugs or bad AI or other stuff. I would have loved to see some text along those and how it makes things as a bad player experience and perhaps how to work around it, end quote. She goes on to reply, That's not to say we didn't get some detailed bug reports before. However, a lot of the time, I just get tweets that are, X is broken, fix it, you're garbage. And they I've don't seen them. She's yeah. right. She's yeah. not wrong. And they don't specify what about it is broken or how they would want it to be different. Additional information is always useful and literal diagrams of issues that are very specific are indeed what I would call useful. We even downloaded a bunch of them so we can go over them and see what we can improve on. To me, bad art was created by players who enjoy ARC and want to see the things that bother them get fixed, and that is a completely fair thing to want. Fixing bugs isn't an overnight process, though, and that doesn't mean just because it's not fixed right now that we're not working on it behind the scenes. In a persistent world with thousands of players, there's always going to be the next thing that needs to be fixed, multiplied by 100. The easier it is to reproduce a bug, the easier it is to fix, and it's much easier to reproduce when there is a clear description. As I mentioned, quite a few of the bad arts were well done in that respect. Of course, you could accomplish the same thing without the artwork, artwork as well, but I appreciate the creativity and passion behind it. Um, and then she responded to one person who wrote, What about the issues that aren't bugs that bad, bad art brought up? Like the ones related to grinding. Wildcard said, or Jen replies, I understand the comment made, but we aren't looking to adjust the rates or mechanics on our official servers currently. We do offer alternatives if official grinding is not desirable, and we do plan to offer additional service with changed rates, but that's still in talks internally right now. Right now, we do have the Apocalypse servers that focus on being able to base up fast with less time spent breeding and gathering, etc. Uh, there's quite a bit more, but... Yeah, that's the essentially. I, I'm curious if she managed to uh, break this, but for the first time ever, I, I think I'm gonna go bravo, Jen. You you managed to say something in public and not seem like a total. <laughs> in fact, you seemed reasonable, intelligent, and spot on. Congratulations. Jeez, Rico, you're making me really work this week, huh? Rico. Oh, I forgot that that word has a different meaning in here. You know, I talk <laughs> to people all over the freaking planet. This I is the know. only place where I can't use that word as punctuation. <laughs> So, um, I think you will grab... I'll, I'll, I'll okay. probably... Let me, I'll give my same reaction here that I've given to similar posts. I, I think, you know, the just there's a lot to dissect in there, but I'll focus on one thing that caught my ear was, uh, like, hey, Wildcard's working on another DLC, you know, while the base game's still broken. You know, at the end of the day, if they'd have done nothing but work on the base game to fix bugs, you might have a really good base game and slightly less bugs, uh, but you'd probably have a smaller player base. And we wouldn't have uh, Aberration, which is what I've been playing mostly in the last couple of months. So it's a little bit of a trade-off. And frankly, I'm willing to trade new content for some bug fixing, mm. but just tolerating some constant bugs with the exception of, you know, my biggest gripe right now, character loss. Mm. 
So uh, she did address that briefly, but let me hit one up to uh, another comment before that. And this came from Shia Sarasa. They wrote, I've had the game since 2015. Many of the bugs illustrated in Bad Art for Bad Art have been around that long, some longer. Many of the bugs with the mounts, Tuso Drowning for example, have been in the game since the first day the dino was introduced. I have personally been submitting detailed bug reports and working with support tickets for most of that time. Don't try to tell me you've not once had a good bug report submitted. We have lost faith in your we're working on it responses after three years of this stuff with zero fixes. And she replied, I don't agree with your statement that the game has had zero fixes in three years because that is inaccurate. You're welcome to criticize ARC as you see fit, but that simply does isn't factual. Critical bugs take priority. That's why certain less critical bugs stay in the game for longer periods of time. Clearly, any bug is inconvenient and they should hopefully all get addressed at some point. But typically, we address them in order to in order as exploit or game breaking, down to unplayable, down to un inconvenient. Then somebody brought up uh, character loss and she replied, Things like character loss and undermission are issues that are on our radar all the time. In version 276.46, for example, we were able to solve a decent portion of the lost character situation, but we have been and are still working to resolve remaining ones. You know, I, I get the idea that bugs need to be prioritized, and I'm kind of sympathetic to it because I'll give you this is an antidote. antidote. Mm-hmm. So there's a product I support that um, every year at midnight on December 31st, it crashes. It's done this for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And I know with about 40 hours of work, we could probably fix it. But every year, a higher priority bug occurs and it keeps getting starved out and never gets worked on. So every year, we just kind of tolerate and roll our eyes like, hey, get ready to restart the thing. <laughs> you know, but, but, it, but, and then going further on that, I've said this in previous commentary that I think a lot of this might be mitigated if they would just be uh, more upfront with their bug tracking process. You know, if they made their bug tracker something I could log on to and check out like other products mm, where people yeah. could submit tickets or they could submit comments to existing tickets. So rather than submitting 100 tickets of I lost my dino, people are commenting on one big thread that says the dino lost bug and putting different boundary cases where they lost their dino. You know, it just makes tracking easier you'd and you'll see dev responses easier. You'd have to filter what shows up on that bug list because you don't want, quote unquote, unknown bugs to uh, be abused for purposes such as Duping, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. I mean, they can keep their ba- bug bounty system. I mean, that, I mean that's a good point. But I, I think I think the bug bounty system would kind of mitigate that. I think what really you need to pick some of the ancient bugs and work on them, just as a sign of good faith. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. of these bugs are really just design flaws, though. Then call it that. And move on. Yeah, what but it's done. it's good to see that the bad arc for bad art for bad arc movement really. Kind of looks to have shaken things up with Wildguard. Whether not a bear's fruit will be yet to be seen. Because they're, as I said, they're working on TLC Phase 2. And then they've got the Extinction DLC that they've got to be working on as well. Though, whether there'll be a TLC 3, do you think you, you guys think there'll be a TLC 3 or they're going to stop here and then focus on Extinction? I I think they're going to keep do. I think we're just going to see like the next uh, TL. We're gonna, probably going to see a few more that'll be one or two dinosaurs per of her additional pass mm-hmm. just so that they can keep something rolling so that people can keep getting something you know to see as they're actually doing things and then put the majority of their efforts onto the uh, onto whatever extinction is going to be yeah all right unless well, not then. totally uh, moronic of course 
I'm which still, is a possibility. Still waiting on a mid-tier draw. Yep. Still. You should have uh, put that in the Bad Art for Bad Art movement. And draw. what? Draw. Well, that's not a bug report. That's a feature request. Yeah, but still. Might as well get in on it. Failure to have a mid-tier? Yes. There you go. <laughs> is, is that not a bug? I'd say that's a no, major I, oversight. I don't think that would qualify. <laughs> I think I could make it qualify. Well, I mean, if you force it, anything could qualify, but does it really if you have to force it? That's what she said. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, All right. Moving on. Moving on to right patch <laughs> Uh 278.64. The glider cooldown was lowered to three seconds, so that's really good. I'd rather have no cooldown, but I understand why. That's far more reasonable. I actually had a chance to play with this, and I think it works a lot better. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I I did. I noticed that the glider was suddenly not being a uh, a complete and total me to me uh, today, and I was very happy. <laughs> I still haven't used the glider. Ah, oh. uh, prevented closing glider for a brief period after opening. This pre- prevents accident accidental closure when spamming to open. Fix climbing off of a ladder into geometry, including barriers, temporarily. Addresses known under mesh exploits. Uh, disabled placement of structures when recently stuck in geometry, which ad- addresses known under mesh exploits. The current server version is 278.66. Uh, removed unsupported dinos from official aberration servers. Prevented cross prevents cross arc transfers of foreign dino aids if prevented by server config going forward. And then they had upcoming version 279 for TLC Phase 2, which will supposedly be next week for the PC. Uh, bug fixes and quality of life improvements, miscellaneous features to be announced, and then six dinos updated, refactored, and reworked. It is now time to farm for Savor Roots of Wisdom as we hop on our Quetzal and fly down Arc Avenue. <laughs> Now, farming and processing resources, when it comes to this game or the official servers, a lot of people complain it's very grindy, it's very time-consuming, but there are ways to mitigate that and to cut it down as much as possible and to be efficient. Utilize the downs you've got, for example. So, let's go down some, most of the stuff we can gather and talk about the best dinos and the best methods for farming such each resource. Now, berries, one of the earliest things to go for. What was the first dino you guys tamed as an early tame or, or early game player that you would recommend going for to get berries? Oh, uh, that would be a trike. Mm-hmm. And he uh, uh, also takes about a similar amount of time and uh, and uh, effort, but has multiple uh, uses. So, yes. Did you say Anki? Anki. Mm-hmm. Don't those take forever on berries? Yeah, but like, have you ever done it? I mean, uh, I, one of my my third tame was a one twenty trike that I berry tamed. Yeah, it did forever. Anki, uh, Serb, and I did one within uh, within two hours of arriving on uh, SE. We we did one by hand. That was fun. Oh yeah, but yeah, I did with the one twenty trike. I had people helping me get the berries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the trike, it only gathers the berries really, and I think wood and thatch, but not a lot. Whereas the Anki gets you metal, gets you stone and flint. Get you berries, get you wood and thatch, so... But let me give you something to consider there. If you're like a brand, brand, brand new player to Ark, mm-hmm. some of those Ankies are in inhospitable biomes. Yeah, they are. That, uh, the mm-hmm. trike yeah. might be... Uh, if the you more can easily. find an Anki easily, go for it. If you can't, trike. Yeah. 
Though the parasaur, parasaur, even they're not bad at collecting berries. On they're all, honesty. all right. Yeah, they're not bad hey, either. On your first day on the server, I never. I think it was six months into the game when I finally tamed my first par, first parasaur. I, I the, and that was just uh, yeah, same here. But that's not the point. The point I'm making. If you were to pay one, if I'd known how easily they, they could uh, uh, just get enough berries to keep me alive, I probably <laughs> might have tried to go for one. Yeah. So uh, what about the late game when you're into the custom customizable recipes, you're mass producing um, medical brews, what's the best way to do it? An, a Quetzal and a Stego, a Quetzal and a Mammoth? I mean, we used to keep Bronos parked on the edge of our base and swipe the tail a couple times yeah. when we needed a berry. Definitely. Uh, what I used to do is if I had to go on a major berry run to make all this stuff, I'd take uh, a Quetzal, a couple turtles on the platform, hold a Stego, and then just go into one of the major areas where there's a lot of dense reeds, water reeds or anything like that, or a lot of dense vegetation, and just go to town until I filled up all the turtles because you can really easily slot cap your dino before they run out of weight if you've got a good dino. Well, if you're cooking, I mean, you can put most of the stuff you need to do the cooking on the back of a parasaur. Mm-hmm. And just harvest berries and go for it. Yeah, that's true. Okay, uh, what about fiber? That's always fun. Bear. Depends. Bear, definitely. I mean, if you're early game, a sickle is better than anything. Yeah. yeah. Though, it depends on how lucky you are with gathering metal as well in the early game too because that's quite a bit of an investment because the sickle is pretty expensive to craft even as a, a primitive but certainly it also is one of the most dangerous uh most damaging hand weapons in the game it has yeah. no durability to use yeah. it as a hand weapon but i found that out pretty late too oh i found it out pretty early when uh there's a player named mira on the server i was taming a dimorphodon near her she was running back and forth taming something else and happened to run into me while I was uh, har uh, using the uh, the uh, sickle and with my melee and just a, a normal sickle. Her armor was gone. She was half dead. <laughs> I um, guess something you should let new players know is that melee damage increases the amount of resources you harvest. Yes, that is very true. And as tempted as you might be to go into uh, that early, make sure to get some HP and some uh, some weight before you crank up your melee. Doesn't matter yep. how much you can gather if you can't carry it. Oh yeah, that or bring a dino to carry it for you at that point then. But um, so SC, one method... where I was our Anki for the first three weeks. <laughs> I, I still say that in the early. I mean, you have to define early game, I guess. But in the early game, a sickle galleys gave me more fiber than I ever could ever need it. See, what I did was. Well, actually, I can't remember. When did they add the uh, the gorilla? That was pretty well into the development, uh, wasn't you it? You were a member of... You had uh, recently joined Beast. or uh, It was either just before or just after you joined, I, I want to say. Because okay. uh, we tamed a couple of them once Groppler... No, Grop, uh, no, it was the end of Pepperidge Farms when they came out, because Groppler rode one into war. Wow, those things have been around longer than I remember. Because mm -hmm. I was going to say, what about taming a couple of low-level uh, gorillas build in a pen for them and just leave them wandering to pick up fiber or gather well, the fiber. Well, I mean, if you don't uh, mind having uh, them having an orgy all the time. <laughs> I still remember the first day, also, we see our, our uh, plant X's go off and someone's like, what the hell? Dude, yep. there's a dead baby uh, Gigantopithecus here. It's a what now? <laughs> well, if you leave them on wander. Yeah, it's a good way for fiber to be collected while you're not while you're doing other things and don't have to worry about it. 
Otherwise, the Therizino collects fiber, right? Yes. Yep. And it does a pretty good job, so eventually you want to invest. A Bob in is not getting a Therizino, but you do want one of those eventually. That's going to solve a lot of your gathering problems. Yes, definitely. So uh, let's move on to wood. Wood is always going to be needed, especially in large amounts for charcoal and gunpowder. So the beaver and the mammoth are pretty much the best to pick it up, but the mammoth has an advantage over the beaver in that it has a 75% weight reduction on wood, whereas the beaver, I think, is 50%. Uh, the mammoth also has a larger attack radius, so it can take down more trees. I seem to call that a beaver takes a lot longer to tame. Yes. My, my counter to you is that a beaver is easily stored. And if it's yes. early game, oh, that's, exactly. that's a problem. That's a Not only point. that, you can use an Argent to pick up the beaver to go gather wood. Good so, point. Yeah. Plus, you know, if you're going to play this game from level one again, I think you're probably going to get an Argent. Argent's about to get that TLC uh, buff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to work really good. Oh, yeah. The beaver, however, is a nightmare to tame. It's a, it's a narcotic sucking machine. Yeah. High torpor drain, so you got to keep it knocked out. Constantly, you can't leave it alone very long. But and if it's you're cable able to is tame, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I, uh... but if you're able oh. to tame a beaver as a small time tribe or early game, definitely worth the investment. If you, oh yeah, it. you'll you'll be in love with it. I mean, okay, uh, thatch. Obviously, if you're using a mammoth or a beaver, you're going to get thatch in the process. Not a lot, but uh, obviously, the deer, probably the best thatch collector out there. The male deer, the female deer, deer is. The female deer actually, uh, they, I will say this: if you uh, are once you hit late game to the point where you're starting to like, you know, occasionally be trading use of high-end blueprints with people, no one will ever intercept a courier deer, <laughs> and the female deer are fast. Mm -hmm. No one will ever suspect you're looking for it. We used to use uh, speed raptors during wars to move uh, to move small amounts of gear and explosives around the map <laughs> at high speed until we uh, got a good terror bird line going. And eventually, we were. Play uh, I always wanted to use female deers, but I never bothered to tame any female deers. Yep. <laughs> Other than that, um, I don't think anything comes close to the deer when it comes to gathering thatch. Wyvern. Not early game in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, I was just gonna say, what? <laughs> but, but, but you know what? A lot. Of, I did not even realize it had a thatch gathering ability until I had yeah, it yep. like a week. Yeah, when you it's you you what is it? The C. Yep. The C. Yeah. You Land press that C sucker and, and start hitting C. Yep. It'll knock it's, it. That you, knockback it does with the wings too. Yeah. So when you're trying to find somebody who's proning in the woods around your base, it's a really good tool. <laughs> Um, for stone, obviously, the Doed is another investment you need to make because it's great at gathering stone. Though the Anki is also that other investment because it will gather stone, but it will gather stone and flint. Do you so, have any idea how long I hit rocks before we realized the Doed <laughs> existed? Hit rocks? Hit rocks? I was picking them up with my fists, all right? Though, uh, I remember if you... the day that the Doed first came out and we found two of them in that little ravine uh near the old, where the old pepperidge farms base all uh, was and just spent hours taming those things having no idea what it would take or anything <laughs> back in no my day you because i had a weird obsession with packies we actually had or not packies uh i didn't i loved anything that used that kind of kibble so mm. we had a lot of it oh here's here, how about you know if you got access to the whip use the whip to gather stone off the beaches you get a lot of stone pretty quick 
So, you know, just go over to your Scorcher's Megabase, make some whips, and come back over to the island. <laughs> also. Let, 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 well, if I can interrupt for a second, let me put a slight twist on this a little bit, because we, we've actually so far named off a lot of good gathers for different primitive mats in early game. Mm-hmm. What would be the order you would recommend that we that, that a new player tames these things? Number one that I was just going to say is horse, because horse is your best tool to tame other dinos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Because it gathers the berries, yeah. And it gets around. It gets and around. And horses yeah. are amazing. And horses are easy if you can quickly get access to the rock hairs, such as going over to a rag, picking up some ra- uh, rock hairs, and getting back over to island or uh, when i went over to it the last time i went over to an uh unofficial to actually hang around i tamed a high level one within a few minutes of being on the server mm-hmm. yep oh yeah so you get your horse then what what's the next one i'd probably go with anki next well you can't use it yeah. you can't use it as a mobile uh um you have to get the saddle and in the saddle like is it level 20s or is it level 40s oh i don't remember what level the saddle has to be uh, I'm in game right now. I'll take a look. See, I think that's the pro- we're we're answering a lot of these questions as if you were a 20. level okay, so it's eighty not that bad. going back to starting on a new server. Mm-hmm. I, I think you'd play differently if you're level one. I mean, so personally, I went with the raptor. Obviously, was my first tame because I need something to gather hide a lot of hide, and then uh, quickly tamed a trike for berry gathering, and that made a huge difference. It really propelled me in taming other dinos, but also getting the narcotics quickly that I needed. Which you can craft on a horse. Which you can craft on a horse. But horses weren't in the game at that time, so... Mm. Leg day. Starting at level 1 doesn't exist anymore. You can hit level 70 in an hour running around the island. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fair enough. (laughs) So there is no level 1 to 50 anymore. If you're trying to do 1 to 50, you're a moron. And you need to just run around the island looking for those chests. Although I will say, I think that level 70 run might be a little challenging for someone who's never played Ark before. Yeah. But, you know, one of our tips is go find the Explorer notes as fast as possible to get your levels up as quickly as possible. Even if you screw it up and die a bunch of times, you will still be level 50 by the end mm-hmm. of an hour. Yeah. Mm. But uh, hide, I brought up. So, obviously, Raptor is a great way to get hide early on because they're an easy, a fairly easy team. To yeah, I agree with that one. Easy. But uh, after that, what's the best for getting hide? Giga. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Or the Therizino, obviously, was is another late game kind of tame. Yeah, I want to say when we had all our late game dinos, we were doing mostly meet and hide with fairies. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had gigas. I mean, yeah, it'd have to be Sabertooth for hide. Yeah, because they that was their buff, right, to get more hide. Yeah, the you should be able to knock out a good horse. Yeah, definitely. All right, I'll change my vote. If, if it's hide specifically, we're talking about saber. Yeah, for... plus they're fun. They're really fun early <laughs> tame. Indeed. Well, early-ish tame. So, what about flint? Because Ankies, obviously, when they're going out, you're using them to get stone. They get the flint as well, and they usually get it as a, a perfect ratio of one to two, or whatever the ratio is to make spark powder. If you need flint and it's early game. You're not filling a hundred turrets with bullets. You don't need that much. Use a mm-hmm. pen. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree with Alti on this one. Because there's really no other dino that collects flint, right? No. The Thinking grinder. about it. The, the grinder yeah. dino. The grinder dino. Indeed. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about metal. Obviously, the Anki is what you want to you use for metal. And 
this is the the big part of the game where you really want to be as efficient as possible. Bloodline Ankies are very important. You know, getting them 100% imprinted and then the person riding them gets that damage bonus because the more damage it has, the more metal it's going to get out of a, a node. You know, obviously, collecting <clears throat> the metal as much as possible. You guys, what? Yeah, you're 100% correct. You're 100% correct. A imprinted Anki is absolutely critical if you're going to do efficient metal farming. But I just don't think you're going to see early game players oh, yeah, absolutely do anything not. like that. I mean, when Way you're imp- taking the time to imprint, you got to have like facilities to do it, right? Yeah. So I would say if you're starting out, a chain of land dinos, a chain of Ankies even, crappy Ankies, might be good. So I mean, we had a player that, uh, you remember Greed, he used to do his uh, mining with Ankies and uh, kangaroos or Perceptacons. Mm-hmm. Yep. So before they even added the kangaroo into the game, when I was uh, in the early stages, I would take my Anki and several Argents with me to go metal farming. Fill the Anki, put it on the Argents, rinse and repeat. Then head back to base with all the metal yeah, that's carry. Yeah, because if you don't if you don't have a Quetzal, you don't have a crab. Assuming you're not playing aberration, it's really going to come down to uh, weight. Because I used to waste a lot of time uh, going walking over to the metal, smacking the rocks, and then walking all the way back. Ankies are slow as heck. You need something yeah. faster to transport. You need to make that trip worth it. Bring it. Oh whoa! Well, for me, thankfully, was I was where I was built by Green Abbey. There's a river running straight down to uh, Forest Peak, which had metal on it. And since the Yankee's fairly fast swimmer, I would take it down the river with the the Argus following me and get to the mountain pretty quickly. Yeah, before it turned into a swamp, that was a lot more viable. Yep. And speaking of which, in terms of processing the metal, make sure you got enough primitive forges going. Yeah. Because a, a lot, lot of people, including myself, tried to get away with like one, maybe two, thinking, oh, those forges are way too yeah. expensive to build Ooh. like three. They're worth it. Once, once you build like, you know, eight or ten, suddenly you're cranking out metal like mad. Yep. Not to mention you're using, you can utilize the wood that's turned into charcoal for gunpowder. But uh, another way to get metal is uh, using the Yankee on those smooth river stones. They give metal as well. And uh, I would also do that when I was out, go out for spark powder. You know, I was set up. Once again, right by the Green Obby, and that entire area had so much uh, small river stones that, you know, I collected a decent amount of metal, raw ore, while I was out gathering stone and flint with the Yankee. Do you remember what I call Spark Powder Ridge? <laughs> Come to think of it, there's your use for Spark Powder in early game multi is burning those forges. Mm-hmm. It's a really good fuel. I actually was reluctant to use it as a fuel. I never liked using it for a fuel. I'd rather use wood. Use wood. You get charcoal. Yeah, and get the charcoal. Uh, but there was this area at that river where it works, where it was just little tiny stones as far as the eye could see. And mm-hmm. you drop off an anki and farm all of the spark powder you would ever need. Yeah. <laughs> I miss that area. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, Metal farming for Covenant was Argent and Pickaxe. Ooh. It wasn't even worth it with Yankee. The the runtime just it wasn't too worth long. It. So it got to the point where I was sick and tired of doing the runtime, and what I did was I took the risk and built a little um smelting shack right at the base of a mountain where I wouldn't block any metal. And I left an Anki there and I would just fly my Argents over there, and what I would do was I would go out with the Yankee and the Argent farm until the Yankee was full and fill up the Argent, take the Argent back to the smelting shack where all the metal would be smelted, and then the processed stuff would get sent back to the 
ba- my main base with a large flock of uh, Argents carrying it all at one time. See, See that's that when you're must... starting to think about efficiency, right? Because if yeah. you cut those back and forth trips out, man, you're you're starting to really get efficient. Mine farming is all about efficiency. Mm-hmm. Sean, that must have been nice for you. Uh, in my day, there was this <laughs> alpha tribe called Beats, and they made this rule that you weren't supposed to build on the metal mountains anywhere near them. Yeah, uh, in, in my fact, day, we... back in when the starters were the alpha, that was the same rule. And and yet you ignored it. No, he built his at the uh, foot of the at mountain. At the base oh, of the mountain. Oh, 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 not blocking any metal. metal spawns. See, that's a different rule, though. Not blocking metal spawns and building on the mountain are different rules. Well, we See. had a reason for that rule, thank you very much. Uh, the, oh, one I... of, the, the thing that got, uh, that got Pepperidge Farms wiped was a mountain battle, and we never wanted to have to deal with another one of those. No, I completely understand. Like, the base we built as Covenant, we were worried, was too close to the metal. <laughs> you know the funny part? I went over and checked it out because one of you guys had mentioned one art. Well, uh, uh, so, somehow word had gotten to Bohu. I went out and checked it out, and back it was like, yeah, no, they're they're fine, they're fine. Just uh, wait three days uh, before you send word uh, word back and let them score them for a while. <laughs> word apparently <laughs> never got back to you guys. No, of course not. I can't imagine why. And I never bothered to follow up on it because two day, one a day later, Dan did something insane that I had to deal with. I completely forgot. <laughs> you know what? We didn't get wiped. All that matters. Indeed. All right. Uh, let's move on to Obsidian. Uh, the Doed is supposed to be the best for collecting Obsidian, but not all the Obsidian nodes they will bring them to will offer up Obsidian. It's really weird because on the island, there's only one or two places with Obsidian nodes that it will collect Obsidian in. The other Obsidian nodes, it will just get stoned for some reason. I mean, the logistics is also an issue because the best obsidian is located up in pretty hazardous areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's very important as well. Um, yeah, it, there's kill nothing... penguins. True, that is very true. And I was actually going to bring that up next because that brings up the uh, issue of organic polymer as a substitute for the hard polymer that you get when you um, use obsidian in conjunction with cementum paste to make obsidian uh, polymer. So obviously the best thing to use for gathering organic polymer is the moshops. Would you say that's actually a somewhat easy tame for early game? Not necessarily. No. Well, let me let me suggest a, a technique I used to use. Um, make a wood raft, put a couple of X-plant on it, which I think is pretty easy to do early game if you know where the X-plant uh, seeds are. Mm-hmm. And take that raft over to an iceberg and murder all the penguins. Yeah. And then go hit them, hit them with your club. Remember, the club's really good for gathering that resource. And then, boom, you're going to be uh, rich. The only thing I would also recommend is you might want to put a fabby on the raft if you can, so that you don't have to lose any, you know, decomposing on your long trip back to wherever your base is. Yeah, I actually have a few arc videos of me with my penguin killing boats, where it's basically a box that I would use a tranodon or another flyer to grab the penguins, drop them in the boat, kill them all at the same time, and then harvest them with a club. That way I wouldn't let any of them escape out into the water. It worries me that you decided to record this. What? It was fun and it was funny. What can I say? It's like a it's like an arc mini game. <laughs> Murdering penguins. I'd call piping a mini game. <laughs> <laughs> but um Sirico, you said that uh the Moshops isn't really ideal for early game. 
Is it because well, I mean, of I don't necessarily know that it's a, it just. I mean, even at mid game when I was uh, the last time I've been t- tried to tame one, it was annoying as crap. Because yeah, exactly. It's depending on how lucky you can be, but it made it kind of easier to tame a monster because it asks for all kinds of berries now instead of really crazy items, though they are still in there. But I think it's worth the risk of taming a Moshops. Especially if you've got all the stuff ready to tame it. The, your biggest hurdles would probably be the raw prime and raw fish prime meats defeated. I think you're stretching a bit far on the Moshops. That is a yeah. nightmare to tame. It might be a little easier now, but it's still a crap dino to use. You have to have patience. The thing has to live. You have to get it back to a boat, mm. and then you've got to take it to the penguins. And then you still have to do all the work. Don't forget, and you can you pick ha- it up with a, an Argent, so you can carry it with an Argent to transfer it around. Yes, but it's still a pain. Like, mm. if metal farming with an Anki is slow, what you're suggesting is slower. Let me uh, let me mention, while we're on the topic, a really fun late-game thing to do that I saw once on stream that um, I thought was really efficient. Uh, once you have the resources to do so, you make a little fence foundation pen, drop your most your moss chops in there, and then maybe put a turret down inside the pen, and go on your Argent, and this is assuming you're playing a map like Ragnarok, go pick a, uh, you know, build this pen next to the volcano area, mm-hmm. go pick a mantis, pick it up, drop it in the cage, turret kills it, and then moss chops eats it. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Um, so what about crystal? Obviously the Anki, because for some reason the Doa doesn't collect crystal, correct? Well, uh, yeah, right. it does, uh, doesn't collect crystal, does it? Not that I recall. Doa, right? Uh, no, Anki. The oh, Doa doesn't collect crystal. Oh. So what, what would you be building that you would need crystal C4. for? C4, Spyglass... I don't think you need to you need to do anything exotic for a spyglass. It's pretty low number of crystal to mm. do that. But if you're going to be cranking out industrial levels of C four, you got to have some kind of method. But I, I tended yeah. to find that just hitting smacking up one with a pick every now and then was enough to to keep me uh, filled up with what I needed. Oof, yeah. As long as you're not in a war or doing something crazy, you should be fine picking it when you're farming with mm. an Anki. So, uh, just side note on this while we're talking about it, would you recommend early game players up up their melee damage to uh, increase their personal farming ability, or is that not worth it at this point? I uh, never recommend melee. I love I, melee. I I always have at least two hundred to two hundred fifty. I always but recommend for combat or weight for farming? and speed. Both. And... I would give up the speed for melee because one, you can deal with other players easier. Two, it benefits how much you harvest. But once again, if you're slower than you could be, you're still losing out. It, it's it's horse apiece. Do you want to run away from your opponents, or do you want to punch them in the face and knock them out in one hit? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know Trog doesn't roll with anything less than 300 melee for that reason. Yeah, Trog knocked out a Quetzal with club. Yes, he did. <laughs> no, I, I was I there. It wasn't a club, dude. It was his fists. There were like 12 clubs in there. Yeah, he used clubs. Was it? Oh, yeah. I prefer the fist version of the story. <laughs> we probably ended with fists because it went that long, but he did it. And it doesn't matter whether it was generic now, club. Just or to explain fist. to those listening, that Quetzal was stuck in a rock. He wasn't punching yeah. it midair. 
it was stuck <laughs> half the time and it would get restuck again later. Yeah, in Ragnarok, yeah. the AI for Quetzes has it flying into the side of mountains for mm-hmm. some reason. <laughs> um, yeah, so Crystal Silk. Parasaur. Parasaurotherium. Parasaurotherium. New, new player, why are you on Scorched Earth? Eh, maybe mm. they decided to go there first. They're insane. Oh, oh they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> wait, actually, wait, I stand corrected. Does a, no, I'm thinking of Cactus Sap. Yeah, I don't think... Uh, does Parasaurotherium collect silk? I don't recall, actually. So I think I'm going to go back to my original comment that if you're early game on Scorch, I don't know why you would be, but if you were, uh, Sickle. I wouldn't mm-hmm. bother to take yeah. for it. Definitely. I'm an experienced player. I have an associate's degree, and I hate Scorched Earth. I don't want to <laughs> be there. <laughs> why would you want to be there as a new uh, player? Uh, I, I have such nostalgia for Scorched. Yeah. I have nostalgia for Scorched. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked getting thirsty and dying. Hold right, on, so... let me do a three-hour metal run. <laughs> now, um, let's move on to the later stages of the game, or at least for the smaller tribes, you know, like medium-sized tribes, small tribes. What do they start doing to really make it more efficient and process these resources as fast as possible? Obviously, well, I, I, I'm a big fan of making your crafting area super efficient. So mm-hmm. the last crafting area I made was simple. It wasn't like one of these five fabbies, five smithies things. It was make it so that when you're standing without moving, you can reach your your industrial forge, your fabby, and your smithy and a vault. I think that's mm-hmm. the ideal setup. It's the most efficient, and you'll spend the least amount of time just trying to do some uh, small level crafting. Even with the pull feature I have, thanks to being on a uh, server with S+, Plus, I still design my crafting rooms that way. Yeah. There are so... always multiple vaults, crafting stations, all within reach of each other. There's, there's also tricks you can do to get the materials quicker into your crafting area, right? Like you could put yes. windows up to the industrial forge or windows up. Like a, a common thing we used to do is put a vault next to a window so that you could unload into the vault. The vault, you could reach the industrial forge. I always thought that was pretty clever, and it acted as a buffer when you ended up uh, farming more materials and you had the resources to burn off mm-hmm. in your industrial forge. Or so the slots, here's, I say. here's what you do when you're a middle-sized tribe. Um, as Legda was saying, don't ever do a window to a forge, because you're going to lose that forge to a raid. You want to do vault window forge, and you want to be able to stand between the window, the forge, and reach the vault, so that you can easily move resources back. Yeah, then, the vault plugs a hole. Then you want another vault on the other side of the forge, and then you want your fabricators and your smithies. Uh, the alchemy bench is usually lighter materials, and you're going to want two alchemy benches. I'm sorry, chemistry Chem benches. Bench. Wrong game. You there. want <laughs> shut up. You want two chemistry benches. Um, you're always going to want two. They're relatively cheap to make. You're going to want one for spark powder, one for gunpowder. Um, and use the spark powder one for other generic stuff as well. Yeah, I will say that um, that's the biggest early game mistake I've made was not making a chem bench. I totally underrated their value and thought they weren't worth oh, it. Oh, yeah. And oh, that yeah. was a giant mistake. It really held me back. Beast wouldn't make us one. <laughs> really? Yeah, we asked. You guys were like, no, we're holding that back. I don't remember that. I think cause that's a high rank item, right? It was 85 at the time. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. If you're 85, man. I do believe we actually said that because we didn't have one of our own at the time yet. 
<laughs> really? I think I was the first one in the tribe to make one because everybody was like, eh, yeah. No, uh, we already had one in, uh, we, we, uh, we had one when you, when you, I think we had one when you, uh, nope, joined. I was the first one to make a convention. I, I remember the first person going on about it to be, uh, was, uh, Yaku, and he was, like, going crazy about it for, like, two or three days. Mm-mm. Uh, I built it, and it was on Iceberg is when the first chem bench was made. We had a chem bench in, uh, uh we had a chem, uh, there, I mean, there was a chem bench, uh, as a integral function of, um, the upper air, the upper crafting room of Volcano. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean, we the, we built that before Iceberg, so. Yeah, before it, Iceberg, it, but the chem bench came to Iceberg first because nobody had invested in ah. it. Semi-related to this discussion, um, just a slight tangent. Mm -hmm. One of the things I did uh, playing mostly solo, semi, you know, two or two people, um, is I built my crafting space on top of a Quetzal. So as I was farming, I was I had like six forges burning on top because my Quetzal was pretty crappy, didn't have high weight. (laughs) So you could, you know, metal weighs less than raw ore, so you could burn it off, do a little extra farming, and then if you crafted it, it got even lighter. So it allowed you to stay out in the field longer. Yep. I wouldn't recommend it. It's not efficient once you're like a bigger tribe, have much of industrial forges, but if you're if you're staying small, you know, that's a way you can go. It is, but um here's a big tip for every small tribe out there that the mega tribes utilize as much as possible. Body bags. Ah yes, everyone's favorite glitch. Body bags. Yep. You fill them up as to the slot cap. No weight on the dino if you've got them sitting in a chair. They're worth it. You should probably explain, though, how that's... So, that's... essentially, is you, what you want to do is you transfer your main character off the server, create a new character on that server, invite it into the tribe, and then just leave it in a part of the base where nobody will mess with it or it'll get killed. And what you then do is t- bring back, transfer your main character back onto that server and let it overwrite the data for that new character you created. The new cre- character is, you know... No longer usable, but it goes into an unconscious state within, what is it, two days now? It used to be three. And after two days, you can put anything you want into the inventory of that deleted character, which was technically deleted, but it's still there in your tribe. It's effectively become the new uh, Anki uh, weight glitch. It's the oldest trick in the book. Well, what I mean is it's, you know, back in the day, there were certain glitches that just everyone kind of used and didn't really think about it, right? The Anki weight glitch was... Uh, was the easiest yeah so this is the new version of that i think no because once they kind of started making it so that the anki would put weight on the quetzal that went to players picking up the the boxes of or the when you drop the metal to the player they pick it up by hand they could slot cat themselves and it wouldn't weigh down the quetzal or the parasitherium that you'd be using to transport everything then they changed that so that it would affect the weight. So, so now it's... Mm-hmm. I was going to say, cuff your body bag to a chair on the Quetzal. Good yeah. to go. Yeah, and you're good to go. Um, what we would do also is, uh, right now, on Aberration, we use a Pariser. You know, I've got a couple of uh, chairs right next to the platform. And I'm able to move the metal from the Pariser onto the, directly onto the body bags, handcuffed to the chairs. And we stayed down there for, what, two hours and come away with five forges, industrial forges worth of metal? Yeah. That having to go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, another thing is if you're unable to properly set up your base so that you can easily 
transport the materials to your forges or whatever. What you can always do is, like I said, oldest trick in the book, have one guy toss the metal or the resources from the dino to another person standing in front of it, have that person pick it up by hand until they're slot capped or whatever, knock them out, drag them over to where you need to place all that resources, and there you go. Bada bing, bada boom. Don't they have to whip it, or can they still pick it up? You can use a whip. It's much more easier to use a whip, but you can still pick it up by hand. Okay. So yeah, that's the biggest boon you can use in this game. I mean, if you're trying to be efficient. Oh yeah. But, uh, I expect the wild card to patch it in like four or five years, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. It's not game-breaking in any way, shape, it's or form. It's really not. So. I mean, the game's so grindy. I, I don't consider that game-breaking. Uh, so here's here's the problem. It's created the necessity to do it to keep up with everyone else. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's like duping those who started duping to keep up with the explosives catches of their opponents. It, it does kind of touch on a topic we talked about earlier where it's like, at what point does a glitch cross the line to where you're exploiting to a bannable offense? And I don't consider that this one of them. I what consider does... duping a insta-bannable offense, but not, not necessarily weight glitches. So when you look at an industrial forge and it takes 2,500 metal ingots, when you're level 50, you look at that and go, oh my god, how would you do that? Yeah, but when yeah. you have a body bag of quets and an Anki, you're like, that's 10 minutes. Pop. An imprinted Anki. It's, mm-hmm. it's the power curve. Allowing body bags to exist creates a, a much higher power curve than if they didn't exist. Because a small to medium tribe can use just as much as a massive tribe with body bags. I mean, can you imagine if Quetz with eight body bags just flying around with Nanky on the island mm-hmm. server, a rag? You hit every metal node. By the time you're done, the original ones are back. Exactly. Now, I will say, before I knew about the body bag, uh, body bag situation, and something I might have to go back to if they ever fix that problem, um, I think, if I recall, Dino's writing on the back of a uh, Quetzal have a third weight buff. Like, only a third of the weight registers on the Quetzal's weight, if yes. I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. The only problem there is, and I have done this with a bunch of, like, dinos on the back with Quetzal just to hold stuff, they eventually do get knocked off if you happen to fly into a tree or something. Yes, they do. It's a pain. And that's another thing I wish they would fix. But power curve issues. That's my issue with body bags, is it creates power curve issues. Mm-hmm. And it makes it so that when they add new items to the game, they're going to be ridiculously expensive, because that's just the power curve. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, although I think Wildcard would be doing themselves a big disservice if they are adjusting mat requirements on the basis of body bags. Well, I would be okay with them fixing that body bag glitch if they would adjust costs and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, one metal for two bullets? Is it one metal? Which two bullets? Simple bullets? Advanced rifle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Seems high. Considering we've got Heavy turrets that require 4,800 bullets to slot cap those. Yep. Very. And you're going to have a minimum of 100. Yep. All right, then. So I think we've uh, covered most of the essentials. You guys have anything else? Any other tips? Any? Yes. As a medium level tribe, contact your alpha tribe and find out what you need to do to get their Anki <laughs> line. And then do it. And then breed them. 
Mm-hmm. Find out Make who sure the, that... the, the earliest thing you should learn is who the crazy, un, uh, unpredictable people on the server is, and learn to avoid them entirely. Yeah, make sure when you join a server for the first time, you ask who the alpha is and if they're friendly. Uh, <laughs> oh, take it back. No, ignore that back. one. Ignore that last tip. So no, I just be... got to say, like, mm-hmm. as, as a new player to art, my, my favorite experience in this game was being a raider on a boat. <laughs> Using clubs, crossbows, and pikes. That technically leather. is a form of farming, I suppose. It is. Best experience. <laughs> Uh, yep, best experience. All right, so uh, final topic for this week: item transfers have been opened to aberration. Now, this is just item transfers, so non-aberration dinos will still not be able to be transferred in. But uh, so, and aberrant dinos can still be transferred out. Right now, we went over the patch notes earlier in the episode and if you were paying attention you'll notice there was no mention of item transfers being opened up on aberration but there was mention of fertilized eggs being transferred in and that they'd be wiped so when that patch launched there was a, a post from wildcard or jet and it read in a pc patch earlier today item transfers were enabled on aberration this had been a topic of discussion for the community and the de- development team for quite some time We had come to the conclusion that item transfers onto Aberration will be permitted on our official network. One of our team goals for this year has been working on improvements to our deployment pipelines to ensure things run smoothly going forward. Unfortunately, our enthusiasm got the best of us and this change accidentally slipped through the cracks too soon. We apologize for that. Additionally, an... Mm-hmm. I mean, that's such a colossal screw-up. Yes. For change that drastic, I mean, give the community a heads up. Jesus. <laughs> we apologize for that. Additionally, an unintended mechanic existed which allowed players to bring over fertilized eggs which were not native to the aberration map. We have redeployed a change which will prevent this in the future by automatically deleting any non-native fertilized eggs which are brought over, as well as destroy any non-native creatures or fertilized eggs that currently exist on aberration. Like bees. Like bees. Like bees. We understand that this news will come as a disappointment to some, but know that we examined all available options and ultimately decided that this would be the best step to take. Our sincerest apologies for any inconvenience or loss suffered from the change. To be clear, any fertilized eggs which are not native to aberration will be deleted upon transfer, so please do not attempt to transfer your non-native fertilized eggs of aberration, and the item transferring will remain active. So this was an accident. This was not supposed to happen at this point. At least in time. yet. At least yet. So I actually, believe it or not, despite my criticism of the fact that I think it's horrible that they did this without any kind of warning whatsoever and it was a colossal screw-up, I think this is good in the long run. I, I wish we had a few weeks to prepare. I don't know if that really would have made much of a difference. At least we psychologically would have been ready for it. But uh, I kind of like it. I think it's a good trade-off. The only thing I don't like about it, it's counterintuitive to a new player, right? If you're just joining ARC for the first time, it doesn't necessarily make sense to you that you can transfer things to Scorch Earth, but you can't to Aberration. It's not obvious from the UI. I don't think. I think if you do it, it they just vaporize. You have to learn mm-hmm. the hard way. And that that's the one thing I don't like. Hidden mechanics and hidden limitations that aren't explicitly told to a player, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, by the way, item transfers will be open to console Aberration in the relatively new future, according to Jen, though no date was provided. Yeah, get ready for your aberration apocalypse. Mm-hmm. But no sooner did the item transfer go through than the next day we started seeing the Raiders. 
I know, man. On, it, I was. Uh, well, so I so one of our tribe members actually I think summed this up pretty good. It, you know, right now it's the new shiny thing. Raid and aberration. Mm-hmm. Finally, they can bring over their raid tools and their flame arrows and do the thing. And uh, he was saying that he thinks that once people kind of realize that aberration doesn't really pay off as much as some of the other raid targets, that it'll taper off. Mm-hmm. At least that's his theory. Well, it was um, the same thing we saw when Scorched Earth was finally opened up to transfers, but that was open to items and dinos, so there was a huge yeah. wave of fighting going on. Yeah. Well, we were able to take gear over before uh, before we were able to take dinos, if I remember correctly. Not for a huge amount of time, but, mm, but I they think coded it was a this a lot open... differently this time, so I don't mm-hmm. expect we'll be yeah. seeing dinosaur transfers. I, I think it was both at the same time. I might be remembering that wrong, but I kind of think it was just like, transfers wrong, are so... open. Yeah, there there. I'm trying to remember if there were tra- no, I don't think there was. It was a transfer the same time. Yeah, but we saw a huge influx of fighting raiders and griefers and all that jazz. Pterodons, and- right? There's no pterodons native on Scorch, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah. So, Andrew, go ahead. Uh, with aberration opening up to item transfers, you have the raiders coming in, but also realize that raiders have been leaving aberration servers to hit other servers for fun. Just like it was mm-hmm. in the Scorched Earth days. That was one of the yep. primary things people are complaining about, is people basing on Scorched attacking the island and people saying, hey, that's not fair, you're locking the raiders behind a paywall. So I think ultimately this is a good balance because, you know, one of the things that I personally like about aberration is there's no true flyers. There's gliders, but no true flyers, and I think that I think that's kind of a neat little game mechanic. The fact that the map seems a little larger than other arc maps just because of that i wonder if that'll last i hope it It will Uh, the way they put it it it's very unlikely they're gonna change that rule the whole marking of things as native is a very big difference than they did in sports so indeed so um hurricane made a reddit post when this when it launched saying serious talk hater pass your way item transfer to aberration he writes we were thinking about something with my tribe. Now in Aberration, if you're able to transfer items, and that means resources as oil and pearls, so there's no farming difficulties anymore on this map. Why tribes will farm oil and pearls on Aberration when you can bring tons from Scorched Earth in no time? The challenge Oil's Aber- hard to get. Apparently for him, yes. The challenge on Aberration was to find a way to farm in quantity those rare resources, but now you can bring them, so what's the point of Aberration? As resources, you can also bring your best blueprints to aberration it would be the same as allowing flyers on the map and be able to fly on aberration allow transfer between aberration service is nice because huge wars on this map will be so awesome but meh there is no farming challenge now i don't think it's that game it breaking because the best places to go farming already i mean you could i mean people i think this guy just PD didn't know what he was doing on, on aberration mm-hmm so, so I would i would agree with him oil's a little bit of a pain on aberration compared to other maps but pearls are pretty easy as long as you've got an anglerfish, and once again, and we didn't bring that up in the last Oh, season. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Anglerfish, which we did bring up in a previous episode, for pearls. you got to use anglerfish to gather pearls. Otherwise, you're doing it all wrong. And, by the way, you can transport anglerfish. Yes, yeah, using trap. a fish basket. So if, you, if you're anglerfish in one area and your pearls are in another, take them where you need them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So but, that's um, why I don't consider this game-breaking in terms of farming, to be honest. It's not, but it is quite a bit of a cha- game changer because how many tribes do you think are going to start using Aberration to hide their blueprints? The best blueprints. Well, have? I think that's okay. I think what what's more game-changing is some of the weapons from Scorch coming over, like... Uh, flame arrows. Flame arrows and flamethrowers. And... 
Like, I don't think you can give flamethrowers an aberration before. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So that, Not unless your char- if your character had the thing, uh, as I found out, and I did, I did actually confirm it, there is sulfur on the map. Good luck getting to it, but it's there. On aberration? Yes. It's, it, it, it's, there's a small deposit, of, uh, there's a mid-sized deposit of it deep in the halls of the Reaper Queen. Hmm. So the flamethrowers is probably, or pardon me, the flame arrows is probably the only thing I'm a little salty about because I was never a really big fan of being electrical flame arrows. I did like using them, uh, but they do like pose a threat to your electrical wiring. Because we, you know, I'd lay down a lot of cables where I'm like, ha, they can't do anything because there's no flame arrows in this map. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and I, I did catch that. Don't forget, they're going to open up transfers. You got to think about it. Yeah. Uh, the same with dinos. Dinos are now going to be succumbing to flame arrow attacks. People got real uh, lazy with their dino storage and protection by leaving them out in the open because there were no flame arrows and people aren't going to take forever to kill them with uh, regular arrows and sometimes it's not even worth using compound bows and metal arrows for that. Um, There was a PSA issued by Clubs (laughs) Clubs with Seals, my man. And he said, PSA, do not upload aberrant dire bears or the again the Bigfoot. I can't pronounce his name right now. Uh, he says they're currently bugged and will end up being stuck in the obelisk, i.e. can't re-download either on the same server or a different one. Learn from our mistake. And as far as I know, this is still an issue. Hmm. But uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, quickly talk about the the griefing we got once item transfers opened up. What day was it? It was a Wednesday. So then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we saw nonstop raiding, griefing, and attacking of bases. All the smaller tribes, unfortunately, got decimated during these attacks. Um, we suffered some losses, though. Could have been a lot worse. We got lucky. It's pretty much what we expected, right? I mean, as soon as I saw mm-hmm. that message, as soon as I saw the rumor that transfers were open up and people were speculating it was a glitch, you know, I, I expected the raids to come within hours, and they did. Because everyone's been yeah. waiting for it, you know. It just—it would have been nice if we'd gotten the heads up rather than this happened by accident because somebody goofed up, and when they were patching the PC version. But if you're a raider, think about how juicy aberration sounds. It's a completely untouched, uh, untouched cluster, full mm-hmm. of bases that had just been farming for a couple of months. Exactly. I mean, once again, that was the same situation for Scorched Earth, though it was easier because they could bring in their dinos as well. Bad they can't bring in non-aberration dinos. Puts a little crimp, uh, crimp in their style for the most part. They've got to rely on crabs, stegos for bullets. Well, I, I want to say that most big time tribes, though, have some aberration presence to bring dinos in from. I mean, I'm kind of guessing there, but I have to assume they do. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting time for those who have been strictly playing on aberration. And, um, oh, here's one thing we did not know. So, I forget if it was last week's episode or the episode before where somebody was asking how to find a Reaper King when they've been buried by the enemy. Mm-hmm. There is a dino that will detect it. It's the Rock Drake. If there is a buried Reaper in vicinity of the Rock Drake, its frills or whatever on the back of its head will stick up and it will growl. I completely forgot about that. In fact, I actually think that mechanic affects uh, friendly Reapers buried. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you have a bunch of drakes parked around a reaper, they tend to snort and go wild to the point that it drives you crazy and you almost want to mute your sound. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's one potential way to look for an enemy reaper. But, yeah, 
anything else we need to talk about in regard to the open transfers? Do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing overall for the game as a whole? I I think it's a good thing. It's going to keep people on aberration on their toes in what I has essentially been more of a, a PVE type setting, which from the get-go, Walkhart did say when they were talking about aberrations that it was going to be more PVE-like than PvP. I think it's a good thing. I think you're going to see more raiders basing on aberration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the verticality of that map is going to make things very well. Continues it's, to make things interesting. Yeah, it's still going to be a hard to raid map. Well, at least harder than some other maps, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. I, I really think it's going to be more of a maybe. I think it makes aberration more relevant to yeah. the bigger game as a whole. Definitely. All right. Well, listeners, as a reminder, for new and old, we have the new Arc Avenue segment where you can ask us Arc-related questions and ask us for advice. If you do have any, give us your questions in the comment section or in our Discord channel. I'll provide an invite to the channel in the comment section below if you would like to chat with us or hang out. Because it is time to close out episode 80 of the Archaeologist Podcast. Thank you to our participants this week, and thank you for listening to us on YouTube. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, feel free to like and share this video and subscribe to the channel. You can also leave comments or questions for us in the comment section below. Goodbye, and stay alive, survivors.